Heavenly Father, we've uh, dealt with a lot of business tonight, we've thanked a lot of people, and we want to thank you as well for all your good gifts to us during this last year. And we want to pray now, Lord, as we uh, look at your word, that you would speak to each one of us as we look back and look forward. Amen. Well, what do you say at an APCM? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a meeting, isn't it, where we're looking back. We're looking back at uh, the church year. We're rejoicing in the good things that have happened. And the reports give that in quite some detail in the activities. And not least, of course, in the work of God within our community people coming to faith and baptisms that we've had within the church. And of course, looking back is a biblical principle for God's people. Remember, do you remember those great Jewish festivals like the Passover, where the people of God were told to remember what God had done for them? And of course we see a lot of this, don't we, in the writings within both the Old Testament and in the Psalms. The psalmist quite often talks about what God has done for his people. And of course the Christian faith includes us as well. So we have the celebrations of Christmas and Easter time, when we rejoice and remember what God has done for us and the world in which we live. And so it's appropriate at this meeting that we look back, we look at the reports, But not just looking back, but actively thanking God and rejoicing in what God has done in praise and worship, which is why we had some praise and worship this morning, uh, at the beginning of this evening. However, if we just look back, we won't move forward. Because when we're looking forward, we're actually acknowledging, aren't we, that we have a living God who is active in the future and has plans for his kingdom here in Norwich today and in the weeks and months ahead. And we see there's much in the Bible of this, isn't there? If you think, for instance, of the prophetic words spoken by the prophets, looking into the future, what God is going to do for his people and the world in which they live. And so we read of this in Daniel, in Revelation, and we read of this in the words of Jesus as well. Well, if you'd been, been a member of our evening service, in the, uh, in the last few weeks we've been looking at the last two chapters of Matthew's account of Jesus' life. And um, when I came to realise that I would be speaking here, I realised that we were in fact in the last of that series. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to one page 1001, that's Matthew 28... Verses 16 to 20. And uh, I don't know when Will thought this series up, or whether he realised that this was going to be this Sunday or not, but it seemed to be appropriate for us tonight. And I've only got a few minutes uh, to go through this. So let's put it into some sort of context, this passage. Well, we know, don't we, that human life for each of us, is full of ups and downs. And this was the same as we read of the account of Jesus' life in the Gospels. We clearly see this. So we have the up times, don't we, with Jesus, where Jesus is honoured, he's thought well of, 
The people rejoice, the people marvel at his teaching and his healing, his driving out demons, crowds follow him and they welcome him into the city of Jerusalem. But of course we also have the down times. So we've had recently in our Christian calendar, we've had the betrayal We've had the false charges, the mistreatment, the fake trial, the killing of him in that shocking way of crucifixion. We've seen a couple of weeks ago in our series the deception of the religious leaders. We've seen the shock and the fear shown by the soldiers, by the two Marys and the disciples. And Jesus' ministry had only been for three years but it had been a real roller coaster of a ride, up and down. But as we read these last verses in Matthew 28, we see that Jesus has a plan for the disciples and for his kingdom. Despite the terrible loss they've had, despite the terrible events that have gone on, not all is lost. He looks to encourage them and to give them a purpose for their lives. But for this to happen, we see that there were needed to be some requirements. And so the first requirement we see is the need for obedience. The disciples were told to go to the mountainside in Galilee, and they did so. And this is a pivotal point in the story. It's a pivotal point in the account of the growth of the church. Because if they hadn't been obedient to Jesus' command, the beginning of the church that we read of in Acts wouldn't have happened at this time. Well, of course, we are not in that same situation. But I believe for us to move forward, for God's kingdom to be extended here in Norwich today, this year, we must be clear and obedient as to what Jesus is calling us to do. So it begs the question, doesn't it? How can we hear Jesus' instructions for us? Well, we can hear, can't we, through his word, recorded in his Gospels, through his commands, through his teaching in parables, and of course, through the Holy Spirit, talking to us in our hearts, through the word and through what each other say to each other. But how can we respond to Jesus and his commands will be important if we're going to move forward. So how we respond is going to be really important. Well, in these verses, we see different responses. And perhaps we should expect different responses to Jesus through this year. Look at verse 17. Jesus appeared to them on the mountainside. And when they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted. They all worshipped him, we're told. We're not told how they worshipped him. We're not told what actually happened. But it refers to their attitude, doesn't it? It refers to their response of their hearts and their minds and their souls. But others doubted. What was it they doubted? Well, we don't know, do we? Did they doubt whether, in fact, the man standing there was, in fact, the risen Lord? Well, doubt, of course, can be understandable, and it isn't wrong to ask questions. But spiritually, doubt is a dreadful thing. Think about what Jesus spoke of concerning faith and doubt. Four quotes for you. 
Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Faith is important. Matthew 21, verse 21, And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Matthew 14, verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So we can recognise, in fact, that in this year coming, there will be different responses to Jesus' teaching commands. There will be those that have faith and those that have doubt. We may well experience this this year, but we need to be firm in our faith. But we can ask ourselves the question, why was it possible for Jesus to encourage his followers and us here today after those dreadful events that happened. Well, the reason is given in verse 18, where Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Look what it says. Jesus claims here unreservedly to possess complete authority in heaven and in earth. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? An amazing statement. And as we read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, we see the field of Jesus' authority growing. The authority to forgive sins, as well as to heal illnesses. The authority to act as the final judge of all human lives. The authority to determine the bounds of his own life, laying it down and taking it up at pleasure. And we need to remember that Jesus could have had authority over all the kingdoms of the world before his earthly ministry actually began. He could have done that, but he chose to spend himself in service of his fellow men and to endure the agony of the cross. He allowed himself to listen to the tempter in the wilderness, but not give in to him. He remained loyal to the Father who had sent him into the world and had not shrunk from the obedience of going to the cross. And he now, therefore, has all authority because he has earned it. And so, because he has this authority, Jesus is able to make a promise and give a command to his disciples. In other words, he tells them what they need to do. Look in verses 19 and 20. He instructs them his command. So what's he say? He says to them, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what were his commands? Well, firstly, we read that they are to go. They are to go. They were not to stay in the same place that they were in when they met him in Galilee. They were not to relax. They were not to have a holiday to recuperate because they'd gone through a physically very difficult time. They were stressed, but they didn't go to the uh, person to see their stress. No, their instruction is to go. And it's all inclusive, isn't it? Because it says to all nations. So they can't say they don't know where to go. 
They could go anywhere, in fact, because it includes all nations, from the very nearest to the very furthest. So they were to go. But secondly, they were to make disciples. Well, how were they to do this? Well, by sharing the need with all for confession and repentance of sins to the Father's Son and by the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at that, uh, that sentence there, to the Father's Son and the work of the Holy Spirit. The use of these three, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, is confirming by Jesus the Trinitarian God and his claim to be God. And this is what's indicated by the term baptising, which is what baptising stands for. The confession of sin. The water representing the washing away of the sin. And the coming up from the water, their new life that emerges. So they were to go and make disciples. But not only were they to go, thirdly, they were to go and share the need for repentance with people of all nations. They were to teach those people. They weren't to leave them there. They were to teach these people that they needed to obey all the teaching that Jesus had given to them so that they would grow to be more like him. And this will, of course, will enable those people they're talking to to become disciples of Jesus. Now, it's a massive task you might say, for that group of people who had suffered such a reversal of fortune, who had been so dispirited and so fearful. But I think Jesus recognises this because he makes a promise to them. He, the Master who is God, will be with them if they go and do that. Now you may well say to to me, Nigel, why is this appropriate for us tonight? Well, I think it's important and it's appropriate to us tonight because it's looking forward, isn't it? It's looking forward to what we as a church need to be doing this year. Because there are several parts of this command of Jesus. There's the work of the evangelist. That is, those that bring the good news to the people that they are sinners and the need for repentance and faith. There's the work of the teacher, those that will help to bring the teaching of Jesus to the people, whether that be to the very smallest or to the very oldest. All need teaching. There's the roles of the encouragers, those that show by their witness what it's like to follow Jesus' commands. Now you'll note in this short passage, there is nothing here about the way that this should be done. And so as a church, we can use and explore many and varied ways of complying with Jesus' great commission. In fact, we can look forward to change. We can look forward to changing ways of doing this. We have a Holy Spirit who wants us to help us to do that through all the giftings we are promised in the New Testament. So I believe We've got exciting times indeed. We've got exciting times, haven't we? We've got someone coming who's had different experiences to us of church, been working in a different church, will bring different ideas that that may be or may not be taken up. Exciting times. We can go to the local communities part of the world that Jesus talks about. That's a part of the world, as well as Africa, as well as... Latin America as well as Asia. We can go to the city, 
Because that's what Jesus wants us to do. It's exciting times for us as individuals and as a church. And we can be encouraged. We can work together because we know what Jesus expects of us. What he expects of us as a community to go, to preach the good news and make disciples of all, both young, middle-aged, old alike. However, I think there is a gentle warning here as well, one that sometimes is overlooked. Because look what he says right in that last verse. He makes a promise to them. He makes a promise to them that he will be with them until the end of the age, as long as what? As long as they are going to do his will. If they're making disciples, if they're going out to making disciples, he will be with them. Of course, if they're not going to make disciples, that promise doesn't necessarily come in there. So we need to be a bit warned about that. But he doesn't say anything about how many people we should reach or how far we should go. We should just go. And his Holy Spirit will work through us for the extension of his kingdom. So that's the promise, and that's the wonderful thing that we can look forward to, I believe, this year. I was fortunate enough to meet with Richard uh, on Friday afternoon to talk about rotors. Not very exciting things, you might not think, but it was, it was exciting. He'd got some ideas. He was very impressed by our rotor, which you'll see is full of scrawls at the moment. But there's a whole range of people who in the next three months are going to be standing up here doing something. And I think, you know, I really think we need to get behind this and we need to pray as a church, okay? We want to move forward. We don't want to be treading water until Richard turns up. We want to be moving forward. We've got the holiday club coming up in August. Well, that's a moving forward. That's an opportunity to meet the children and the parents of the parish. Yeah, and we're going to have a holiday club service. We're going to have an all-age service where we can, children can come and grandparents can come. We can all come. And we're going to be united together on that morning service. And we're going to have some visiting speakers as well, hopefully, particularly to take communion. So it's going to be an exciting time. But it needs to be a time where we're praying and where we're united as a church. And this is why prayer focus, that Wednesday, first Wednesday of every month, in the next three months, is really important. We get behind, we pray for the work we're doing now and the work we want to be doing in the September term when Richard comes amongst us. So that's my, hopefully, ten minutes. <laughs>